Welcome to the episode, first episode of Break 80 Podcast. This is Stouds, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Mr. Short-Sided himself, Mike hello. Flory. Hello, hello. Um, let's start with a little introductions. Mike, you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, golf background and passions? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't have much of a golf background like I was a kid. My dad doesn't play or anything like that, but uh, I played a little bit of high school golf and baseball and once I got older, I'm kind of just a golf addict at this point, I guess. It's kind of taken over. It takes over my life once in a while. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just uh, play a lot of golf, try to travel. I played a few uh, places around the world. St. Andrews, that's a good one, and some other things. We'll, tell, we'll, break, we'll break into some stories here and there. But, uh, yeah, just kind of a golf addict, too. Um, the last, during COVID, I started a Instagram handle, short side of golf, mainly because I you know, don't really like laying up and end up in a lot of poor positions, you know, but have fun out there, <laughs> have fun out there doing it. But, uh, yeah, just kind of found a cool community, you and other people. And, and, uh, here we are doing a podcast all of a sudden. So yeah, I love having you. Um, don't forget to, to mention your high school golf coach as well. I am a high school golf coach. Yeah. That's always, always interesting. For sure. Well, myself, um, I might have a little higher pedigree in the mid nineties. I won the Monticello junior club championship oh, <laughs> hardware 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 <laughs> um but besides that i didn't play a ton as a kid um and i guess my biggest passions that i've figured out on you know golf is this big umbrella and underneath it a lot of different avenues from equipment to um you know course history and architecture but i think the two that i'm really into is just overall just playing golf i love um practicing i love working on my swing i love um all that aspect of it. And I also really enjoy being a golf fan. I like watching golf. Like I could watch a 10 handicap capper on YouTube. I could watch senior tour LPGA. It doesn't really matter. I'll watch it if it's on TV. So, um, and then a little side side note is I'm also a high school golf coach as well. So we have that, that in common living the dream. Yep. So we can call <laughs> this basically our soft opening as we kind of figure out this space of podcasting. We're going to do the best we can to kind of bounce off each other, but um, bear with us as our first one. Um, we're going to get started. I think our first thing on our agenda is to discuss um, some very interesting golf out at uh, Bay Hill this week. Um, any takeaways from the golf course in general? Yeah, difficult. <laughs> I think uh, five under, there's a good chance that five under is the highest winning score this year on tour. You know, I, Depending on how Brookline is set up, I suppose, at the U.S. Open, but I, that's pretty. That's pretty high for PGA Tour standards, uh, but it was difficult. I think, you know, you throw in the four-inch rough. You have the wind. I mean, the one day it had no wind, and of course, you know, people are going seven, eight, you know, eight on whatever seven under. I think was the lowest. But then you take it the, the wind and the firmness of the greens, which they didn't, you know, water all all week. Um, basically, turned into a U.S. Open, and I think for the golf fans, sometimes that carnage is kind of fun to watch. It's, that's my favorite. Like we, we want to see these guys be like us, you know. And like when Rory's talking about the courses on edge, and it's like, yeah, but this is fun for us. Like it's not your average, every week twenty some under winning. I, I think it's pretty cool, for sure. Um, I guess one of the things, uh, you know, as far as the golf course goes, like obviously it played really difficult. That's one of the big reasons why, um, you know, the scores that you had. But just looking at Bay Hill in general, um, what are your thoughts on on the course? Yeah, I think it's okay. I don't mind Bay Hill. It's not one of my favorite tour stops. It's I think it's all right. I, I did actually 
appreciate that it was rough and it was difficult. I, I just, and I know the players didn't appreciate it. So it was by some of their comments about how hard it was and it got windy and the greens were firm. But I, I like that. It's not your normal, you know, like TPC Southwind or something where they shoot 20 some under par and they just light it up. Uh, but I think Bay Hill kind of is what it is to me. And, and, and you'll probably find this a lot of this podcast, people out there, that I'm more of a, a classic architecture kind of guy. So you don't see a lot of those courses on tour anymore. That's why I love the U.S. Opens, and I, I love the Genesis at Riviera. Um, so it, it's a little against my, I don't know. I don't need to see water on every single hole and all that stuff. But I think that's going to be your kind of space is the, the golf course, you know, architecture whatnot. I, I will say when I look at Bay Hill, I think, I think it's that you know mid- middle tier you know yeah. on, on staffs, but the one thing it's like, I don't really does it need three dogleg lefts with water? You know, it's like we see it on hole three, we see it on hole six, we see it on hole I think eleven, and it's like that hole just gets repeated three times. It'd be like I don't know, give me a dogleg right or something around the water. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Different. It gets a little boring, kind of. I guess the, the conditions made it fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think the conditions made it fun. It's got that, you know, most good courses have a couple of fun holes at the end too. Let make you make you uh, sweat down the end uh, at the end. Let's see here. I've got. Uh, let's do a little bit of leaderboard peaking. Um, anybody? Well, obviously, let's start with Sky Scheffler. Probably yeah. at this point is proving to be one of the best all around players so far of the season. I mean, the dude does not have a weakness as far as I can tell. Other than his feet. I can't, I can't figure out how he can spin the golf club with his feet moving like that. It's crazy. He's like a fifth in the world now, isn't he or something? I don't know. You don't teach your players how to do that? Fancy footwork? I I can't, on a bunker, like let's say you got a 200 yard fairway bunker shot, you're moving your feet like that. That's crazy. But the guy's a stud. I think, uh, I think the Ryder Cup was big for him. Absolutely. He won two and a half points and I think, He's good. Well, the dude took down John Rahm. I mean, yeah. how how can you what what more confidence do you need just going battle, you know, going to battle? And at that point, Rahm's, you know, he's the number one in the world, but he Rahm was playing some unbelievable golf. Yeah. I, I think Scheffler's got that classic demeanor too, where he's just cool and calm all the time, it seems like he doesn't get too worked up out there. Well, he's got the demeanor like he he to me he looks like a dad. Yeah. I mean he, yeah. he looks just like a dad. He's got like when his hair's a little bit longer, he's got the hair coming out of the back of his cap. He just yeah. He's kind of a hidey ho neighbor. He is kind of looking guy. So, yeah, like uh, I, I don't expect big things of him. I, I don't, um, you know, if he would, you be surprised if he won a major this year. I definitely would not be. I, me neither. And and big shout out to Ted Scott on the bag now. Good it, point. You know, I think there's is there anybody that feels better than Ted Scott He's because got- <laughs> he got away from Bubba. Yeah. He didn't have somebody complaining at him and bitching about everything to him, and it was always his fault. And they had the whole. I think no leg up guys or somebody had to pray for Ted Scott on Twitter because he's a bubba and he's sure. got Scotty Scheffler. Now he's won. Ted Scott's been on the big seven rounds. And he's won twice, and that's, that's the only times he's won. Yeah. So that's got to that's got to get props to, to Teddy Scott there. Yeah. Um, anybody else from uh, you know this week that you want to touch on? Well, yeah, I got a, I, the Gary Woodland finish was, was just <laughs> like, oh, it's. He's like he's one of us, yeah. you know. He makes the eagle. He's fist pumping and straight to the to the the D cell bunker shot double bogey, <laughs> into the bogey finish to give it all back. Uh, yeah, to say it'd be like one of those things where like you make a a big putt on six, just like in a round in general. You or I, we make a big putt. Like maybe we're like going for our lowest round, or like there's something that, you know, we finally realize like oh my goodness, I might you know 
break 70 here. I might, you know, shoot a really ridiculous round. And then all of a sudden we wake up and do something really stupid. Yeah. Like and it's crazy because he's won a U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah. So you got, I mean, but uh, Victor Hovland, that guy, Victor Hovland, if his short game got up to par with some of the other guys, could be number one in the world. He's a great ball striker. He was three for 13 on sand saves this week or something, which is like an everyday guy out there. You know, it's a decent golfer probably. Uh, but I think, like like we've talked about before, is he'll just he'll tell you himself that's where that's his shortcomings. Yeah, when a player says that, you know, when he's comes out and says something about you know short game is not really my forte, that's already kind of mindset telling you that he doesn't have the confidence that a number one player in the world should have. And I mean, the guys, I think he's third in the world, so he's I mean, up it's there. not like he's a bad player. But you could tell like when he got into a bunker, like there was just something that you know. He wasn't super confident, and a lot of his bunker shots just, you know, came out. Actually, majority of them came out short. Yeah. And then he had some. Well, he had some tough lies. So let's not let's not pretend like it was super some, easy up and down. No, but. some were some were almost impossible. But it's like you go from last week, and I know Daniel Berger had a rough final round, but he was like eighty five percent Sanchez for the year up to that point, and you know, Victor Hovland's three for thirteen, which is just isn't good enough. But again, he's like third in the world, so. He's all right. But it was a tough scene out there. I got uh, 16 rounds over 80 this week. Paul Casey shot 83 today. So let's, yeah, let's highlight the guys that did not break 80 today. I all think right. that'd be kind of a fun segment here. Let's, let's take a look at, I've got, I've got it pulled up here on the, on the computer. Kind of a hard one to say. Uh, the guy that struggled the most today, uh, Minnesota guy. Our guy. Tough, <laughs> Our guy. Really tough scene out there. Tough scene. Uh, smooth 87, Troy Merritt. Four doubles on the card. Yep, that was a rough one for Troy. U.S. Open winner, Lucas Glover, 81. Yeah. Anna Barn Lahiri, 82. The Barn Rat. Yep. Um, kind of a surprising name, Paul Casey, world-class player. Great Came ball in with an 83. Yeah. Um, that might have been it for, for not, not breaking 80 today, but lots of high scores. I, I don't know how you go out and shoot. You know anything in this? I don't think anybody did shoot in the sixties. I, I just think the golf course it plays so much different than what they're used to on the PGA Tour. The greens are not receptive; weren't receptive at all. So they're having to bounce things in there. You saw like on the one hole, Hovland hits it pin high, or it goes long, and it just it was so different than what they're used to. I think. Well, and then can you imagine the four rounds of stress putting <laughs> inside five feet? I mean, I couldn't even imagine like. That's not one of my strengths to begin with, but if I'm gonna knee knock over two and a half feet every round for four rounds, like I need a I need a week off. Inside the grip, pick it up, guys. <laughs> pick it up, pick it up. So um as we move along, anything from I think you've cut wanted to mention some other things that around some news of golf. Yeah, Puerto Rico is awesome. Well that might be the best story of the year is uh, Ryan Bram, who was on a medical exemption needed to win or get second i think to keep his tour card and he won he actually kicked ass he was 20 under the second place was 14 with his wife on the bag in puerto rico so that was pretty sweet and another another one uh tied three t3 for tommy ganey two (laughs) two gloves (laughs) fresh off the solicitation Uh, i was gonna say last time i heard of him it wasn't about his golfing yeah we had a little running with with police but you know how did they figure out how do they know that he was guilty with 
you know, with fingerprints. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. To, it's tough. I don't know. Advanced. There's advanced, no fingerprints with his gloves on. That's advanced on. forensics. Operation Santa's naughty list is what he was busted in. Interesting. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, we got some numbers. Our guy Smiley Coffin, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, did break eighty Dude, both times. We've got Missed to get cut. him as an ambassador. Missed the cut. Uh, but there was a bunch. There was a bunch because that was actually tough golf. I think out there in Puerto Rico, the scores are pretty high. So. Well, I did. I did catch a little bit of it. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't watch much of it at all. But I did watch um, them come down one of the last few holes, and I the weather looked ridiculous. So I'm not sure how that guy shot under 20 or 20 under, but pretty impressive. Yeah, at, when you have to win to to get your keeper card, that's pretty cool. Cool story. Uh, one other thing on the LPGA tour, uh, Jin Young Ko, Jin Young Koo maybe. Um, 30 rounds in a row under par, oh, which can I can't even, I can't even fathom. I, I, I don't even know how. I mean, talk about your classic, you know, scratch player that says they can go out and beat, you know, certain LPG players. It's just a bunch of crap. It's, there's no, I, these, these women are so good. And I will say when I get in slumps, there's nothing better I like like to watch than the LPGA because I just feel like their tempos and their swings like just kind of bring me back to a good place. So that's kind of one of my tips for y'all out there. If you get kind of in a slump, go watch a couple of girls on the LPGA swing the clubs. Yeah, I'm I'm reading this right now. It says uh, Jin Young Ko, 15 consecutive rounds in the 60s, 30 consecutive rounds under par, six wins in her last 10 starts. That's Crazy. not bad. That's that's okay. I think, she, I think she picked the right right um, occupation. <laughs> Man, I can't. Fifteen rounds in a row in the sixties. Come on. Yeah. Crazy. Good stuff. Um. Well, let's do a let's slide into um a little bit of next week in in terms of golf when we get we get into this kind of I, I like this type of year. I know the players is coming up next week and it used to be in May. Now it got bumped up, and I kind of like that. It kind of gives me gets me excited for the uh, not only this tournament, but then we know Masters is coming up. Yeah. But let's preview a little bit the um, out at Sawgrass there, uh, Pete Dye course. Thoughts on the on the course in general? Let's just start with the course. Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm not a huge Pete Dye guy, because I think he makes it like almost. He made it, I guess. Rest in peace. But uh, he made it like overly brutal sometimes. But at least it's got some captivating holes at the end. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge TPC guy. No, I'm not somebody who would pay the 700 and whatever dollar mm-hmm. green fee on the weekend, but it makes for good drama usually. Yeah. You think about, um, you know, I, I, I think kind of a, a sign of a decent golf course is if somebody knows a hole besides the last couple, you know, and I think if I think of Sawgrass, I can think of a couple others besides 16, 17 and 18, but definitely those three holes make or break the tournament. I think that's kind of what's fun. Just like we had at Bay Hill. Um, 16, that par, reachable par five with obviously water to the right. We've seen a lot of guys uh, attempt to go for that in two and, and kind of flail one out to the right in the water. That's kind oh, of yeah. ended their, their run. And then everybody knows 17. But I think 18 is also that that shot that you've got to step up and hit with confidence. And one thing we saw last year is Justin Thomas take that three wood, just kind of a low hugger right around the side of the um, – of the water there and kind of risky, but that's what it takes to win out here. Yeah, you can't play scared if you're these guys. I mean, there's too many good players out there. Um, 48 of the top 50 are playing in it. So, I mean, that's your field is going to be like, if you're asking me who's going to win, I mean, at this point, 
parody is just is golf. I mean, why not pick Scotty Scheffler again? I mean, the guy's playing well, but a lot of good players that are going to be playing in it. Um, there's reasons for that, I guess, being the number one purse um, in the entire um, schedule is one of the reasons. And I think another reason that people like playing there is they think they have a chance. I mean, I think it kind of lets any type of golfer win. When I think back to some of the winners, they're not always have to be a bomber or be elite putter. I mean, it's just kind of an overall skills game. I mean, accuracy, I think, is pretty important. Yeah, I think. And it can get windy there, and then you can see some carnage there, too, if it gets windy. Yeah, I think I think wind. If playing in wind is definitely a different beast. But, um, yeah, you've got Kisner that's played well there. You know, Ricky Fowler, our boy Ricky Fowler. <laughs> he's got, a, what, his, what, his best win ever is there. It's a good thing he's got those commercials to keep paying yeah, he's, I think he's I think, tough right now. Yeah, I think Lee Westwood was basically almost had it wrapped last year until JT went low on Sunday. But you know, so I think at any kind of player, I think that's kind of also a captivating yeah. aspect Webb, of it. Webb Simpson won in 2018. Mm-hmm. Siwoo Kim 2017. Jason Day. It's always about 1400 to 1800. It looks like. Yeah, so I think um, you know we get getting to the just thinking about Sawgrass next week. Uh, Nothing like a, a a place that you could just you know people want to be there. It's not like you know they're just showing up like some of the, the top ranked guys. Like people want to win this one, so I think that's going to be, you know, anytime we, you watch a golf tournament where everybody's hungry to win it, um, makes for for better drama yeah. too. Vegas odds: you got your top three, Rom, Morikawa, and Justin Thomas, and then the next kind of grouping is Patrick Cantley, Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, and is Bryson going to play? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw it out there now. Who knows when we get this podcast out? But I'm going to I'm 90 percent sure he's going to pull out at some yeah, point. He's listed. Opinion. He's still listed on the odds up there, pretty high. But he's a train wreck right now. Absolutely. I, I actually think from my what I saw, Ricky Fowler was a like an alternate. I think he got in. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But I yeah. think he's I think he's in. He's uh man, you don't see you don't see him on leaderboards too much the last few years. You know when I think about him, um it's kinda like the in a way just picture him and Rory when they were young. They just had no fear. They they always, you know, tended to maybe make the big number here and there, but they just fired at flags, they made tons of birdies. So he had that as he was younger in his career, and then I feel like he figured it out. He was I think he top fived in every major one year. You know, he just he kept the ball in play. He kept yeah. the big numbers out of play. Well, then all of a sudden now they're back. Yeah, he's usually he, yeah he had that little run where he was really gritty in majors and he'd hang yes. in there. Oh, Rory's a whole other story. I don't know. I'm a big Rory guy. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I was <laughs> I want to talk about him at Bay Hill. Do you yeah. think Do you think he's got too much scar tissue? I don't know. I'm a Rory. Golf needs Rory. He's such a good ambassador, and when he's on, like some of those years where he was on, he's just so good. I don't know what's going on. I just I just feel like he's kind of lost his it factor confidence. Like when he steps up on the tee box, he knows he's the best player out there, and and it seems like like he's the king of the of the backdoor top ten. Yeah. He backdoors top ten all the time. You know, it, when he's in the lead, he just can't hold it. You know, he just can't finish on the weekends. And I just don't know if the conditions, as they were, suit him. If you look at all of his big wins, like the U.S. Open at Congressional, was, and it was soft and it rained a bunch. And 
that's him. He held the bomb driver and then just stick wedges in there. You know, I don't know yeah. if he's even though I, you know, he's from uh, Northern Ireland and he's probably played in the worst weather you can imagine over there. You know, I've been to Portrush before where it's like the wind was blowing yeah. forty miles an hour, and but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy when the conditions are tough like that. Like he's more of a low scoring event guy where he gets going and just lights it up. Yeah. But I don't know. I think he's an awesome ambassador for golf. I think like, like I know his comments about feeling stuff were, were pretty harsh, but probably true. Dude speaks his mind. I think he's yeah. one of the great interviews that you could possibly get. Yeah. No, I, I hope he figures it out because he's super talented and, and fun to watch when he's got it going. Yeah. I think, you know, he's got that, he needs that, that masters to, to, to finish it. Yeah. And, and I think, if he's ever going to win that, he's got to pull like a Charles Schwartzel where he just like kind of goes nuts at the end and then somebody kind of backs off. Yeah. Or like, uh, who is the other one? Danny Willett. Where yep. he kind of steal one. And it, and his game should fit. Other than the putting, he's, he gets shaky with the blade sometimes, mm-hmm. but his game should fit Augusta. He hits it high. You know, he can turn it over on some of those holes. It, it should fit, but I don't know. Short game stuff probably. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I you think everybody is everybody pulls for Rory. I mean, he's he's a good dude, fun to watch when he's when he's lighting it up. You know, not I. I there was something about chunky Rory though, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, the curly hair and just yeah. like just been on a bender. Look, like he's been on a bender yeah. sometimes. And, and like just the way he would walk down the fairways and like, you know, basically I'm 19 years old or whatever, and just like I'm just here to play golf, <laughs> ripping you know every club I can right at the flag. I just feel like he's missing a little bit. I think he's even said that in interviews. Maybe you should go back to it. Maybe you should go back to it. <laughs> All right, so moving moving along here. Um, that's kind of our segment, I guess, if we can, on recent golf. Anything else that you want to touch on? You know, Nothing the uh, professional-wise, I guess. Some weeks we'll probably have a longer segment, some weeks shorter. I don't depends on if anything big has happened, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, let's get into then, as we kind of segue away from you know some of the, the golf um, professionally, let's let's move into thinking about here in Minnesota. Um, we've got a spring here that seems to be dragging on. Let's make a little bit of some predictions of when we think golf will happen. I, at my house in Minnetonka last night, I went to bed when it was raining, thinking, "Yes, here we go. We're going to melt some snow." And then I woke up and I'm shoveling snow forever this morning. Like, what in the hell is going on? So you're saying the rain did not take oh. off as much as it got? No, I, we were. I was so optimistic two weeks ago. We've got two snows now mm-hmm. that have had to have slowed us down. I don't know what. Well, as we look at the 14-day forecast, I don't think anything sticks out to me in terms of, oh, you know what? We're going to be playing golf on this day or that day. I think we've got a little ways to, to wait still. Yeah, I think end, end of March is best-case scenario right now, but you're going to need some 50-degree days. Um, I don't think, you know, some of these courses, for those of you that are listening that aren't from Minnesota, we, we, they will open up when it's 40, 40 to 45 degrees if there's no snow and just leave the holes from last year usually. Yeah. And they're not mowing greens, obviously, and they're still probably frost and ground, and you're hitting shots that are bouncing so the greens are hard. But, but they will, like ha- they will, yeah, like Bay Hill, but they will have a stacked tee sheet. If it's 45 degrees and like a Loggers Trail or a Shadow Brook or a Stone Brook opens, it'll be full. Of Minnesotans out there ready to golf because 45 after you've been sitting in the winter forever seems like 70. Dude, people be in t-shirts for sure. What what uh, what what are you comfortable playing in? Are you one of them? I will play in whatever. Yeah, I don't care. I'll play. I mean, if it's getting in the 30s, that's 
it's getting down there, but you could handle it. <laughs> yeah, I think wind kind of plays a part of that. If it's if yeah. it's high, if it's mid high thirties with not much wind, that's that's actually not that bad. I think you can play comfortably with the long sleeve. And, yeah, if it's and sunny and there's not that windy, that's not bad. And and I think forties for sure. And then we'll play in that. Um, yeah. So let's segue into that. So speaking of golf, kind of around the corner here as we're in spring, Mike, where's your game at? Huh. Uh, well, let's see here. I'll, I'll probably start my winter, tra- winter training this week or so. I always tell every year I tell myself, I'm going to work on my game in the wintertime. I'm going to putt every day and blah, blah, blah. And I think I've hit three rounds in the simulator and I have yet to unroll the putting mat. So <laughs> I'm working <laughs> on it. You know, I'm not a big practice guy anyway. I usually just show up and play and I play a decent amount so I can get it around a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I, oof. It's tough right now. Those things felt good in the sim, so yesterday was okay. Good, good. Well, if you guys follow me, you know that I part of me, my obsession with the golf is I just love love swinging the club, and I've gotten the Break 80 Lab this year. I've got the old uh, Ozo Fitness Net, and I've been able to hit real balls. And so, I'm, like, the feedback I've been getting myself is, um, I would say, pretty good. And in my opinion, this is this could be, you know, this is. A lot of people are probably thinking this. I've, I'm in a good spot right now where it's like I feel probably the most confident I've been going into a spring that I ever have. And I think just part of it is getting uh, comfortable with the swing thought. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, we've got the the opposite ends of the spectrum here, Mike. What, tell me what your swing thoughts are. Uh, I don't really have one. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, this is the yin and the yang here of golf in this podcast. I am a uh, get up there and let her rip guy. Usually, I don't really worry too much about a swing thought. Um, I'm like the Dustin Johnson of okay. of the podcast here. You know, you, you want to hit the fade, just hit the fade. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really. I mean, you know, I'm co- when I when I coach the kids, I always give them stuff, and I play almost opposite probably of how I coach. You know, I'm, I don't really have one. I just usually let it grip and rip and. And like I said, I play enough where I can get around okay, so it works for me. But uh, getting a funk once in a while where I start thinking about certain things, but that seems like it almost always makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be dead opposite of you, and I think part of it is, um, you know, when I try something like don't think at all and just swing, I think part of my problem is I've got kind of an ADHD to me where it's like if I don't have a focus and I just have this wide-open array of, you know, I, I'll start hearing like uh, a bird chirping. I'll start hearing like somebody like, you know, grabbing a club. Like I just can't focus in on what I want to do. And so I think a swing thought, I like to think of it as like a, like a baby blanket for a toddler. You know, it's just like, it just gets me cozy and something yeah. that I can put in my head to think about, which leaves distractions of everything else off the table. But what I will say is sometimes that can be a, a bad thing too, because um, I might have I might have a swing thought that I'm not confident in, and then I start thinking over overthinking, or I've got more than one swing thought. Now we're starting to get in some dangerous territory, and now we start kind of becoming a kind of a mental head case. So I think a swing thought for me is I just need to keep it simple. Um, I need proof that it works. Um, I guess another comparison I'll make is I can think swing thoughts are similar to like dating, because you're always looking <laughs> for that one. You know, you're looking yeah, for that one. Yeah. You've tried a bunch, um, you know, they've worked for a while, they, you know, and you find out that it's not compatible for your swing. <laughs> yeah. And then the last part, I guess, that goes along with that is um, sometimes you go back to an old swing thought, you know, just to band-aid what's going, really going on with your swing. Yeah. I, so. I, 
I guess I do have a little bit like I I'll play most rounds pretty aggressive and just let the driver rip pretty much everywhere. But sometimes I'll kind of start steering it, you know, where the swing thought then I just becomes finish the swing, let it rip and deal with the consequences afterwards. Like just be aggressive because trying to steer things and guide things never works out well. Um, my demons are more so usually on the greens uh, when it comes to thoughts. I've, let's see, this year, if I do break the putting mat out to start practicing, I might go back to conventional grip. I've tried left hand low for years. I've, uh, I did the pencil grip for the last couple of years that worked okay. okay, but we'll see. That's where it becomes, that's where my demons come from is usually the putting. I know. And then it gets even worse when you play like in a state amp where Doug Hoffman sets the greens up crazy and they're fast. And then, oh my gosh, I know I switched putting styles one year in the middle, <laughs> in the middle of a round. Uh, so that's that's my issue. So I was, you were searching. I was searching. It was okay. uh, I was a North North Oaks or I was searching bad. Oh man. Um, so what is like what is your tendency in putting? Is it is it pulling on? Is it just kind of not committing to it? You know, I I don't three putt a ton. Like yeah. pace is never an issue. It's just like for me, and again, this this goes down to lack of practicing more than probably anything. Just that like I just want to make more in that ten to fifteen foot range or not. I used to push a lot of putts. That's when I went to left hand low, trying to keep it, you know, really firm. Um, and then I went to, I actually like the pencil. The pencil's been okay, but I just, I'm 6'5", so that, that makes me hunch over. I feel like my posture is so bad when I'm in that in that kind of grip, so I might try to go back to the Because your old. right hand has to get a lot lower than yes. it normally would. Gotcha. So I might go back to the conventional, or get a, or I might get a, I used to have a big counterbalance putter. It was like 38 inches, and I would, and I didn't. It wasn't that long for me, so we'll see. I don't know. I'm, well, I'm kind of with you on the putting. It's not, it's not an exact science. I mean, you have to be. Not only do you have to have the right stroke, you have to have the right read. And I'm know. the worst. And, and my buddies, if they're listening, they'll they'll confirm this. I am maybe the worst green reader you will ever see. It's bad. I don't know. I got that's something I can do. But my thing is, I'm just not. I play some competitive tournaments, you know, some of the Minnesota stuff, and I go play the Birchmont at Bemidji every year, and but not enough for I'm like, I'm having fun. I'm out there having fun no matter what. So you know what I need to see from you? I need to see the Victor Hovland, Victor Hovland, Adam Scott. I want you standing on your line trying to get where the green read is. Uh, I want to see that this year. I took that. I I have taken that class on the. So uh, what is the theory on that? I guess I see him do it, but I I'm too aim dumb po- to figure out. What aim point. I took it. I took the. Uh, there's a place in Edina that used to do it. I don't know if they still do. Totally driven, maybe the Aimpoint Clinic. And when you're there for a couple hours, doing it, uh, it makes a ton of sense because basically what you're doing is you are trying to uh, get a feel with your feet, and you have to practice and you have knowing like what because you see them putting their fingers up, you know, one mm-hmm. finger, two finger, three finger, and that has to do with what they felt with their feet, you know, and how much break they should play. And it's a whole, it's pretty complicated stuff when you're doing it. They hit, when you take the clinic, they give you like a laser level and all kinds of stuff, trying to figure out the the slopes, you know. But I, there's something to it. I just don't have the t- t- or want to have make the time to go and try to perfect it. It take it would take a long time, I think. But that's what they, that's what it is. You're feeling with your feet, and then there's like a, you know, you feel like okay, okay it's a numbered system. I think this is a one. Yes, you hold gotcha. up the one finger, and then there's variables, speed of the greens. You know, there's, they. You know, I'm sure the pros are stimping it out to get the numbers and everything. There's a bunch of variables too, but that's kind of what it is. It's, it's like it's a feel-based system, not so much the your eyes because your eyes can be deceiving. You know, you could be left eye dominant or right eye dominant or whatever. But that's so what it is. So it's a foot version of the plumb bob. Kind of, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. 
I guess. Well, I'll tell you what. I think part part of me for for my kind of goal as putting this year is to just make sure that I'm like I'm staying in some sort of a routine where it's like I've just because sometimes, like I said, I have that focus problem. I have the ADHD. It's like somebody else is putting, and I'm just kind of I'm not in a process. I feel like if I do that, um, yeah. maybe knock some, down some more putts. I think at most rounds. I'm just playing with buddies, you know. I don't give a shit. I'm just re- putting, reading it from behind the hole. I think, I think going to the other side, to the side, and stuff like that helps too. But that takes so long. Like, who wants to yeah, play, who wants to play slow? And you're not telling your your players either to to read greens from all. Of, no, you know. That's... I'm telling them if you're playing bad, play faster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, kind of moving along here as we dive into our next segment. This is kind of a segment that. Um, I I got some ideas from um, Instagram. I just kind of asked what would be some things that um, some topics that we can dive into, and we're just gonna get do a couple um, this week. And as we get into more podcasts, some of those ideas that they had, we'd love to incorporate. Um, one of the things on here was from Jason. He just asked, "What is the overall like history?" He used the word genesis, which I thought was a pretty cool word um, of break big, eighty. Big and I, I wanted to uh, kind of point out on that and talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm not going to talk much about like why he started the account and things like that, but I think more, more overall, like, like break 80s, like that's almost like a mission statement. I think most people think of, you know, shooting your best score or breaking a, a number or whatnot. I think what I want to make sure I get back to is more of the experience of golf, like not letting your score dictate how you experience playing it because some people, to be honest, don't even keep score. I mean, I think it's more about when I think about, experiencing golf it's like you know rounds with my dad you know he's low mid 70s now um you know and baller thinking about by the way he just shot 74 in florida so he's pretty psyched i think he's one year above his age so but you know just or my family or just making sure you're keeping your purpose when you play i feel like if when i don't um and i kind of go more for score and trying to break you know 70 or set a goal i feel like you get that let down a disappointment and then where do you go? You go home with kind of more of an upsetting feeling or something like that. So I think the mission of, of Break 80 is more of the experience of golf, um, the people that you play with, the people that you meet, the social aspect of it. So when you asked me at the genesis of it, in the history of it, it really came from just enjoying playing the game. Of course, we all want to shoot our best scores. Mike, what is your best score, by the way? Oh, you're a good golfer. Around what's your handicap too? That's something. My handicap is a plus one point four, maybe or something like that. But we could we could devote an entire episode to how the handicap system (laughs) is is is, don't get me started is nonsense because I have shot plenty of rounds, you know, in like you know some sixties or whatever, and but I'll, I'll also go out there and shoot mid to upper seventies or eighty or even one round we played at at. uh, at the refuge was a really tough scene. Conditions are tough, Tiger would say. <laughs> yeah. Conditions are tough. <laughs> but those rounds never count because I play enough. You know, so it's only counting my better rounds. So but uh yeah, I don't know. Down here, um sixty six at like Fox Hollow. I think last time I had a sixty seven at Mystic and a sixty eight at Legends Club, something like that. So you're yeah, you're 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 trying to shoot on her part. Trying to, but not point. always accomplishing. Like I said, we'll devote. We'll devote. I'll, I will have the pros and cons of the handicapping system for us at oh, some I've point. I've got some things on that too. Um, 
I guess my low is I've shot 70 like, man, so many times I can't break it. I think part of it is like I, I last summer I was literally a centimeter away from breaking 70. It just stopped right at the hole and I couldn't believe it. I took a picture of it, posted it. <laughs> You'd have to um, change the moniker then. I think part of it is just like we talk about like just the mental thing. Like when you're when you're going low, how do you keep your mind off of? I think I saw Bo Hoster talk about this. Like how do you keep your mind from going forward, thinking ahead of yeah. oh I'm gonna shoot this really awesome round? How do you keep it in the moment? I think is something that a lot of golfers struggle with and I have definitely struggled with that like I'll I'll be like you know I've shot like 300 through nine holes before and just been now I start thinking about oh I can shoot uh this or that and you start doing that then you start losing your focus and your golf game kind of has to you kind of kind of struggle in uh, on the backside but really difficult in tournaments I think too like all of my really low scores or like this really low for me happen out there with your buddies you know we're just drinking beer playing golf bsing and you know keeping score and have some playing some sort of gambling game and you're playing well and then you go to a tournament and i've I, i've maybe shot in the 60s once ever in a tournament you know it's usually 70s even worse <laughs> stay down some years i got some stories from there that were disasters too so no i think yeah i think that's what you're not worried about the score when you're just playing with your buddies you know whatever and i think that's part of what what we talk about when you're not worried about your score and you're playing with your buddy you tend to play better right when you're not focused on i gotta shoot this today i gotta shoot that today it's usually you get those low rounds just from that yeah and, and one one of these episodes we'll have to get into um the kind of the uk or Ireland 2 version of golf versus American golf. Where over, when you're over there in Scotland, wherever, they don't have a lot of days where everybody's just out there playing stroke play. They do a ton of match play. Like the, that's that's the that's the um, kind of game of choice there when people are playing. It's almost always a four ball match. They don't keep a lot of. I mean, you can still keep your score obviously, and you want to have a handicap, or whatever. But they do a ton of four ball. Well, think about it. So you're playing stroke play, and you have a blow up hole. It's like how many people can come back from that thinking yeah. that you know, you're you're automatically in your head thinking, well, I'm not going to shoot this or that today because I just t- took a triple bogey on the second hole. And it's like some people have the, you know, fortitude to come back from that and and fight. But a lot of it's just like, ah, oh, my round's wrecked. You know, I'm done already. From a mental aspect, but if you're playing match play, you doesn't just matter. One, yeah, doesn't matter. It's it's so much more fun. Uh, match play, match play is awesome. All right, so I had a question from Kirk, and he was talking about course management. Now, this can go a lot of ways, especially <laughs> as two high school golf coaches. Um, so he was thinking more like, all right, you've got a hole where you, if you bomb driver, you got like you know that thirty to sixty yard shot that you have in, which you know, can be difficult depending on you know where the pins are at and things like that. Or do you take a two iron or, you know, three wood or something that, you know, four iron or something like that and, and give yourself like an eight or a, a full eight or a full nine coming in? Like, what would be your preference in that? Well, my preference would be to have like a full, I don't know if I have as much confidence, if I would go by all the way back to like an eight iron, but if I get to a full wedge, I think a lot of time, it depends on the golf course, right? If you're playing um, somewhere where you know it's a lot of tucked pins and it's bunkered or whatever. Especially bunker protected, like in the front. Yeah. That's a hard 30-yard, 40, 50-yard shot with bunkers in front. Or if it's a, if it's a lot of elevation, you know, like, 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 it, like for instance, I think Stone Ridge number, what is that second part five on the front nine? Is it number four? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, number four. four in, and for those of you who don't know Stone Ridge, I guess don't worry about this, but 
if you go for it in two and you end up, you know, down below, you have that like straight up the hill, like 30 yard shot or whatever. That's a tough golf shot. You'd better be at a hundred yards. Just have a full wedge in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like hitting driver, but I think I would much rather have a full, a number that you know, it's going to stop. Hopefully like you watch the tour pros, for instance, they don't. They always hit the numbers most of the time. They want that number in there instead of that. That little sixty-yard shot is for us us amateurs. It's pretty hard to get spin mm-hmm. on it and stop it. I think anyway. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I typically like to get as close as possible to the hole. Just from me, you know. Obviously, there's a lot of factors. You know, potentially where are their bunkers, where's water, you know, things like that. But if I can have a fifty-yard shot, I, I I like hitting that kind of little low nipper shot, but bunkers protected something like that i might have to reconsider but if i can get closer to the hole i would do i would typically do that because i'm not guaranteed to hit a good shot when i yeah. you know, hit lay back even like i could still i'm i'm more in the philosophy of the farther it goes the closer i am to the hole if it doesn't go well off the tee cuz i could still hit a bad shot hitting an iron i could still hit a bad shot hitting a you know something else and now i'm way further back and i'm not and the, but if you're good enough to to hit those numbers i mean then 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 you've got some options. The worst part is when you're trying to lay. And my big thing too sometimes is okay, if I'm gonna hit a two iron or something off the tee, and then I hit a crappy one into the woods. Now I'm punching out from way back there. If I bomb a driver into the woods, I might have a better punch shot. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Terrible mental, terrible mental thoughts. But, but it is a strategy. I mean, especially if you can really bomb one. Yeah. Um, obviously, when it comes to tournaments, or you're really trying to play for a score, you have to kind of, you know pull back the reins a little bit but as an amateur i think getting closer to the hole i think your success is a lot easier than further further back yeah as a level player and it's more i think it's just kind of more fun in general absolutely um so kind of looking ahead you know this is our first podcast this we call this like a soft opening what you call this a soft opening as we try to oh, yeah. figure out this space we're a little bit. Do a lot of perfecting a lot of perfecting um we're kind of looking ahead some things that we've got coming up uh one of the things that we want to talk a little bit about is uh one of our listeners had a i should say not necessarily a listener but a follower had a great idea with potentially doing a march madness region matchup as far as minnesota golf courses are considered so that would be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, between the two of us, we we got to have played almost all of them. Yeah, I, I got still got a few I have knocked off my list, but yeah, I've I've probably played more of the you know as far as public public goes, but more of the, the yeah. I think I I got a few too on the list I haven't played, but for the most part, I think we can probably cover most of them. Uh, we're gonna be looking at getting some guests as well. We've got some good ideas. We've got some confirmations of guests coming up, so we're really excited for that. Um, yeah, this is kind of our our test run. We. Uh, Love talking golf. I mean, as far as passion goes, I think it's one of our top things that we enjoy. And we hope you uh, follow along and listen and subscribe when we get this thing going. And um, we just love interacting with our listeners, too. So reach out. Let us know things we can improve on, things that we can get better at as we go along. Yeah, follow us on Instagram for sure and send messages when you want to talk about something. And we get, we'll, we'll start chiming in. Yeah, short-sighted golf, right? Yep. At short-sighted That's what it is. underscore yep. golf. Yeah, something like that. Shorts. I think, so I think you put in short side. If you want to know how to get out of tough spots, send him a message. He's got. <laughs> I've seen him get. You. Pro, I don't know if you've seen the video of him getting up and down at White Bear Lake. Uh, White Bear Yacht. White Bear Yacht Club. What hole is that? Three. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you are in dead zone. <laughs> it's the little par three. Yeah. I think it's three. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. You got up and down. I couldn't believe it. Um. <sighs> so follow him. Obviously, here break eighty. Um. Golf. 
Um, we appreciate listening to the first one. Hopefully many more to come. Yep, it's going to be a good time. All right, peace out.